Hi everyone, this is Matt Price, host of Dynasty Game Night. My co-host John Bosch and I created this podcast for one reason, to focus on fun. After all, fun is the reason we all started playing fantasy football in the first place. I love games of all sorts, card games, board games, video games, really any kind of game you can think of. So one day, John and I decided it was time for a podcast where we just play games. You might learn something along the way, but you won't find much hard-hitting analysis here. Check out all the other incredible podcasts DLF has to offer for that sort of thing. On Dynasty Game Night, our primary focus is to entertain. So if you like playing games or watching game shows, this might just be the podcast for you. We'd love for you to give it a listen and play along with the contestants and maybe even win a chance to be on the show. Listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off season. Welcome back to another episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host this week, Matt Price, joined by Ryan McDowell and Dan Myler. The three amigos are back together to talk about free agency this week. We're actually recording on Tuesday, the day before free agency actually begins, but everybody that's listening to this podcast already knows that. Free agency has hit us pretty big on uh, on Monday and Tuesday here. So let's get right into it. No pleasantries tonight. We got a lot to get to. We'll start with you, Dan, on Antonio Brown. He was rumored to the Bills over the weekend, but he killed that deal uh, and ends up going to the Raiders for a 2019 third and fifth round pick. And not only that, but AB got a raise. He got an extra $30 million in guarantee. So talk about how you see Brown working out on the Raiders and maybe the impact of, of him leaving the Steelers and on the new uh, passing team. Well, I think the biggest impact lies with the Steelers. It's not necessarily with the Raiders. And it, it's all really stuff that we anticipated and really thought that was going to happen. Um, Juju takes that bigger role. There's a window open for Washington and, and all those things that we already saw coming with all the craziness that surrounded Antonio Brown over the last couple of months. So, um, you know, as much as I'd like to pound on the table and say Antonio Brown is a buy or this is a great situation it just it's just not really there and to be honest with you I don't think anybody really thought it was going to be there all the potential landing spots for Antonio Brown with the exception of maybe a couple that weren't really that realistic at least in my opinion makes me think that this is par for the course and and we kind of just expected Brown to land in a spot that that wasn't necessarily elite or wasn't really an ideal location for him the quarterback situation is a little bit of a question mark everything with that offense has been kind of a on a downhill slide in recent years now Brown's going to help that in Oakland and and maybe he helps Derek Carr take it to take it to the next level or or back to the level that he was a couple of years ago, but I, I just, I, I like to shake myself loose of the situation. I, I'm not a fan of being a Antonio Brown owner in dynasty right now. I totally agree. I, I, I really don't want any part of Brown. Uh, I, I do think the price, we're going to see the price drop a little bit, but that was happening regardless of all of this drama or regardless of, 
a, a team change for him. He was already going to be losing value because he's a 30-year-old receiver. So that that was going to happen anyway. Maybe it's a, a little more drastic now because of, uh, honestly, his attitude. I mean, I, I really feel like he came off looking pretty bad in this in this entire situation. Uh, and then, of course, the questions in Oakland. I was I was looking at what type of impact he would really make and what type of impact the Oakland offense might make on Antonio Brown and his numbers. And I was focused on just their red zone opportunities last year. So Pittsburgh in the red zone had 44 rush, rushing attempts last year, 93 passing attempts. So uh, what more, more than double as far as passing to, uh, to their rush attempts, which I was shocked to see that. And then Oakland, almost 50-50, 64 pass attempts, 61 rush attempts in the red zone. Uh, now, of course, we can probably expect that to sway a little bit, uh, depending on what Oakland does at running back. I mean, it was it was a 50-50 split with Doug Martin and Marshawn Lynch. So imagine if they draft Josh Jacobs or sign one of these running backs, including Le'Veon Bell, still out there, and, and Oakland has been rumored to uh, to be interested in him, so I mean, all in all, it, it's it's going to be a drop for AB. But again, that was that was kind of in, inevitable. And the thing about that Oakland offense, we we don't just want to glaze over, is that it's not like they had an elite receiver or or a big time pass catcher in that offense already. I think we could all agree, or at least. Uh, somewhat agree that Jared Cook was maybe their their best pass catcher, at least in the red zone. So after Aunt Amari Cooper, of course, moved on. So you know, there's a lot. There were a lot of question marks in those stats that you mentioned there, Ryan. It, and and the the biggest one probably was that they didn't have that alpha receiver, at least in the second half of the season. So Antonio Brown is gonna gonna. Having that, having him and that alpha receiver in that offense is going to alleviate some of that pressure and, and make it easier to call those passing plays and things like that. So I don't want to glaze over any of that. With that said, however, the whole 30-year-old thing, and, and although he was still elite at 29 and, and into his 30-year-old season, there, there's just too many red flags to ignore as a dynasty owner. So, so everyone wants to sell him right now. Right. So it, it, it's right. probably it not a good way. idea to sell him right now. So if you have him, are you just stuck right now, Ryan? You got to, got to just hold and, and hope the production is there at least for one or two more seasons. Yeah, I, I definitely don't think you can sell right now. And, and maybe that contradicts my earlier statement that I don't want to buy. Um, right. But I, I only have one share. I'm not really looking to sell him only because like most veterans, I expect his price and his value will increase during the regular season. So whether I just want to ride it out and and hope he's going to give me a couple more years of uh, at least wide receiver two production or uh, at the very least just wait until the regular season. But what do you guys expect from an opportunity standpoint? Obviously, he's going to be the lead guy there. I was even looking at their target numbers. Brown's low over the past six years is 154 targets. And over the past 10 seasons, Oakland does not have a single player with more than 150 targets. So See, I, do we, 
I was going to say 150. That number kind of jumped out at me. Right. I mean, that that says as much about their uh, the, the weapons and the players that they've had there as it does about any type of offensive scheme or, or game plan. And, of course, we're talking about different coaching staff over over that time. But, uh, I mean, there were many years where their, their lead – their leading uh, targeted receiver was less than a hundred and obviously way, way less, not even close to the Antonio Brown range. Right. And if you put yourself in, in cars shoes immediately, you're going to say, well, now I have Antonio Brown. I'm going to pepper him with, he's getting 12 or 15 targets a game because I don't have anybody else. So, so I think that, that record or, or at least the high over the last 10 years is about to change. And we can pretty much guarantee that. But I think your point is well taken there, Ryan, that it it's not guaranteed to be in the one fifties and one sixties and one seventies, like we've seen in the past. Instead, there's at least a realistic uh, possibility that Brown sees one fifty or one forty in the target range. And that doesn't translate at least most likely to a hundred catches and, and those double digit touchdowns and things like that. So that's what leads to all dynasty owners saying, I want to sell. I wish I could get that first round value and, and the value that he had maybe a year ago, but, but that's just not realistic at this point. So I'm going to mix in one last question on the Antonio Brown topic. Since we're here, we have a listener question from Ivan Moy he says, with the A-B trade and rising Juju expectations as Steelers' number one receiver, is it time to trade Juju or hold him? Now, he is wide receiver six overall in March ADP, so I think there's an argument to be made that he's not going to move higher than that, but at the same time, I don't, I don't really want to trade Juju unless I'm getting just a boatload. No, that's that's a crazy idea. Don't trade Juju. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, what I thought what you were going to say. No, I mean obviously I'm I'm a big fan of of Juju. He's my wide receiver two in Dynasty. Um, so I, I I actually do see a little bit of of room for him to grow as far as his his ADP. Um, we'll we'll kind of see see where he compa- or how he compares to uh, some of these other guys, Adams and. Hill and Thomas and, and other guys in that range. But I think that top tier, um, if you want to lock in Hopkins as the number one guy, I think after that, it's, it's pretty wide open. Right. And, and maybe the, the buy sell conversation should translate over to the other receivers in Pittsburgh and, and, and what's available there. It seems like Washington might be the guy to try to, try to get on your roster if you don't already although that price is sure to to raise as well so um i don't i don't think it's buy or sell juju smith schuster i think it's it's maybe trying to find that next guy in line in pittsburgh because they are run or pass heavy uh ben likes to spread the ball around or or at least uh pepper his his big time targets with uh with targets so i think maybe the question instead of asking whether whether juju is the guy to sell or buy or anything like that it's who's the other guy that i should be targeting right now 
All right, let's move on. This we this one we only really care about for Superflex, I assume. Uh, you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but Nick Foles to the Jaguars been predicted for a while now, but he gets $50 million in guarantees. It seemed like they were kind of bidding against themselves a little bit. Uh, the to- the total worth of the deal is, is $88 million over four years, and Scott Barrett put out a tweet that Nick Foles is going to be averaging $22 million a year, which is more than Russell Wilson, Ben Roethlisberger, Philip Rivers, Cam Newton, and Tom Brady, which certainly doesn't feel great, uh, but obviously understandable with the rising salary cap and uh, new quarterbacks changing teams and all. But what we really want to care- what we really want to talk about, guys, is is, is this going to be a positive for the Jacksonville receivers? Is there any one of these guys that that is jumping out to you as somebody that matches up with Nick Foles, or is this just going to be kind of like a safer version of Blake Bortles? We'll start with you, Dan. You know, overall, I think I like the signing. I, I like the landing spot. There there are a few weapons in place, although not that, that big-time name or that guy that can catch passes and take over a game. Uh, so, And maybe it's just because there wasn't an, another ideal landing spot. There wasn't another place where I thought, man, Foles would fit in really well there, and, and man, they have that number one receiver. So although the Jaguars don't have the, the big-time guy and the guy that he can rely on, especially in the red zone, like, like maybe he has had, or at least uh, he's had big-time guys like Ertz and, and – uh, and, and others there in Philadelphia, I, I think it made sense that he lands in Jacksonville. Now, as far as the contract goes and everything like that, Foles has been through free agency. He's been a big sighting in the past, and it hasn't necessarily worked out. Obviously, he doesn't want that to be the case again, leaving Philadelphia and going somewhere else and, and all those things. So we'll see how the coaching staff uh, takes him in and, and how he responds there in Jacksonville. But overall, I, f- I feel like it's a good signing. I just wish there was a guy there that you felt like, man, that's the guy to get now that they have uh, at least re- above replacement level quarterback. This, this just, <laughs> this just, you know, screams uh, a, a signing that they're going to regret in a year or two. Um, I, I get, I get signing him. First of all, I do think just the fit makes sense, and and I think that's probably a fair way to characterize him, Matt, as as a safer uh, Blake Bortles. We don't see a ton of upside with Nick Foles, especially away from Doug Peterson. And when you factor in this receiving core, that doesn't lend much upside or or you know excitement either from a fantasy standpoint. When I look at when I look at Foles' ADP right now, he's quarterback 29. Of course, that puts him uh, it, it, near the very bottom of of our quarterback ADP. In fact, he's only ahead of uh, one other player that was drafted in our March mock drafts. And of course, 29 sounds sounds very low. And, and if you're talking about a super flex league, maybe that's a bargain guy you would consider. When you look at the names ahead of him, it's hard to see him moving much. Derek Carr is directly ahead of him. We expect him to gain some value. Mariota, Haskins, Rivers, Rosen, Kyler Murray, Sam Darnold. It's hard to see Nick Foles, you know, overtake these guys when it comes to value. I just don't see much room for him to grow from a fantasy standpoint. And with these receivers, I don't know. I'm just not. I'm not a believer. There's there's a bunch of them. I don't really like any of them. 
this is just a, an offense to avoid still. But the thing is, like Matt said, it's really a super flex move. It's the only it's the only type of setting that you would you would even think about Nick Foles. I don't think anybody in a single quarterback league is suddenly saying, "Wow, Foles signed for a bunch of money. Let's add him in a super flex and two quarterback league." However, Foles suddenly becomes more than that. 33rd guy so I guess he moved from 33rd to 29th with this move because now he's got a full-time starting gig but in those types of leagues in the leagues where you need the top 24 quarterbacks in your lineup every week suddenly Foles looks like an at least useful player in your lineup you know whether he got paid 22 million or 2 million per year it really doesn't matter to us as dynasty owners except maybe in a couple of years like you said ryan uh they decide that was a bad decision and and we should move on but at least for the for the next season or two we have to look at Foles as a as a useful asset despite the lack of weapons in jacksonville he's he's something that that is going to be on rosters and going to be in starting lineups going forward. And he's shown at least in Philadelphia with that supporting cast around him, that he can put up valuable fantasy numbers. Sometimes I, I think if you're like have a loaded team, I think as like your quarterback two, you're probably okay with it, but I think you probably want him as your, you know, your quarterback three, if you your have the luxury guy. of having yep. that third quarterback there. And in terms of the weapons, I'm still, I'm still excited about D.D. Westbrook. I think he's shown enough to be, you know, at least, at least a, a, take a flyer on him. And then I think we, we forget because he got so injured or injured so early last offseason. Marquise Lee will be coming back. Hopefully he still has, has something. He's, he's been, you know, fantasy relevant at times. So there's some hope, and I'm sure they will take somebody in the draft. But uh, let's move on. We're going to throw these two guys together to you first, Ryan. The Bills added a couple wide receivers. John Brown, three years, $10 million guaranteed. Cole Beasley, four years, $29 million. Uh, guarantees not disclosed yet. Uh, it seems like a lot of money to spend on Cole Beasley, but I'm pretty excited about John Brown with uh, with Josh Allen. Yeah, I like the Brown signing a lot. Uh, I, I don't get the Beasley signing, especially uh, after adding Brown. That one doesn't seem to be quite the fit. Um, to, to see Brown and along with Zay Jones and, and Robert Foster, all those guys are, are uh, pretty speedy guys and j- just let Allen air it out and you know, be inaccurate and hopefully one of those guys can run under it. Um, but it, it can only, it can only help Allen. The, the Beasley one doesn't make sense much to me, make much sense to me at all. Um, I can kind of see Brown regaining some of that value as he had uh, early in the 2018 season until Lamar came along. Yeah, I'm especially excited about Brown for the reasons that you mentioned there. And I I think maybe it's going to be a sneaky rise in value because Dynasty owners as a whole look at Buffalo as Siberia. And, you know, nobody was excited about the quarterback last offseason. And and everybody looked at all the position players as thinking, oh, there's nothing really there. And I think that's kind of held over. So now that Brown arrives, I think a lot of dynasty owners might look at that as, oh boy, now Brown's going to go down in value or, or that's not a great landing spot because of the quarterback and all those things. So I, I think maybe there's an opportunity for dynasty owners to pounce on Brown and, and get him at a discount 
before he starts to catch those those deep fly routes from Josh Allen and you know that that nice deep ball that he throws. So I th- I think there's certainly something there as far as Beasley goes. I I'm in agreement there. Doesn't seem like it makes a whole lot of sense. We'll have to see how that plays out with this coaching staff going forward. Probably the best news to come from these signings is it, it likely means they're not drafting a first or second round rookie receiver. So we can <laughs> we can feel a little better about about those incoming guys that we like so much already. Yeah, the other thing is is Zay Jones, who's been my guy for for a couple of years. This isn't obviously an endorsement of Zay Jones and and his abilities. Uh, he has it hasn't really translated to the professional level with him. And I think seeing these guys arrive uh, along with Robert Foster's emergence towards the end of last season is a sign of things to come, maybe and. I don't think expectations are high for Zay Jones going forward. I hope I'm proven wrong. I'm sure it's just depth but or, or whatever. But, I mean, John Brown's going to be the starter. To me, it doesn't feel good for Foster or Zay Jones. It feels, to me, if I, again, I don't know Zay Jones, but it seems like I would way, way rather run him in the slot than I would Cole Beasley. And, you know, Foster and Brown seem like they're going to play a similar role as well. But uh, maybe they just want as many weapons on downfield they can throw downfield as possible. That contract suggests that they're going to go with Beasley in the slot. It, it does. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't it feels it seems weird. Well, I, anyway, I, I compared go, this go group to the the team we were just talking about, the Jaguars. I mean, Marquise Lee, DD Westbrook, Keelan Cole, DJ Chark. You're not really excited about any of those. You probably, you know, everybody probably has their favorite uh, that that they want on their roster, but all of those guys kind of cancel each other out, and they feel like wide receiver twos or threes, both from an NFL and from a fantasy perspective, at best. And that's kind of what we have in Buffalo. Yeah, it's not my favorite landing spot for Brown. I would have loved to see him reunite with Arians, but it, it's definitely not the worst one uh, for that matching skill set. Uh, speaking of... Arians, they're, they've lost uh, Deshaun Jackson. We're going to skip down a little bit. Deshaun Jackson back to Philly with for a 2019 seventh and a, uh, a, a sorry 2019 back to Philly along with a 2019 seventh for a 2019 sixth, which is not 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 great for hit for his value. Uh, but uh, three years, 27 million dollars. What do you think about that signing back to to Philly? How are how are they going to use him? Both him and Mike Wallace, or is Mike Wallace just going to be gone? I think Mike Wallace is probably gone. I'm, uh, I'm actually not sure of his contract status, but if he, if he's still under contract, I, I don't think he will be for much longer. Um, I mean, they gave, yeah, they gave, as you said, gave Deshaun Jackson a new deal too. Uh, so with with this receiver group that uh, we saw in free agency, it could, uh, you could definitely make an argument that Jackson's the best of that group, including. Tyrell Williams, who we're still waiting on, and, and maybe even Golden Tate and guys like that. Yeah, it feels like a, a big upgrade for me for Deshaun Jackson. If you've been holding on to him for the last couple of years and, and making that decision whether you want him in your flex spot or not, it seems like being paired with Carson Wentz and and the rest of that offense in Philadelphia, it's obviously a better situation for him and you know Wentz throws a pretty nice deep ball I I think it's a it's a match made in heaven really uh Jackson's gonna have something to prove there when he gets there and there's not that number true number one wide receiver there in Philadelphia right now I know Alshon Jeffrey's there and and he's a big guy that 
that is that possession receiver. But Jackson, there's a role there for him, and it feels like that coaching staff will create uh, big opportunities for Deshaun Jackson. Say what you want about him, but he can still run, and he's still fast. And, and we saw in Tampa Bay there were opportunities to get him the ball down the field, and Jameis Winston wasn't able to deliver the pass and deliver the ball where it should have been. Uh, Jackson was sick of it. Dynasty owners were sick of it. And I think there's still probably at least a year or two of production from Deshaun Jackson where we can we can expect him to put up wide receiver three numbers and be a bargain for a lot of Dynasty owners. Definitely still a player who can, you know, have an entire week of fantasy production on one catch for you. Breaking news, fellas. Odell Beckham is officially a Cleveland Brown. The Browns send 17th overall, 19th third, and Jabril Peppers for Odell Beckham, who rejoins his college teammate Jarvis Landry. Ryan, what do you think about this move? Matt, I need a minute. Hang on. (laughs) Okay, so... Pants are off, guys. All three of our pants are off. Yeah, this is is huge. This is unreal. Uh, I mean... First, let's just think about this. In a matter of, what, three or four days, we've got arguably two of the greatest receivers of the past three, four, five years being dealt. I mean, I I love this NFL, first of all. I love it for OBJ. I mean, we've been seeing him and, and ranking him as the wide receiver one or two in Dynasty, essentially since he came into the league and broke out the second half of his rookie season and and all of that is with Eli Manning with uh, honestly pretty subpar uh, offensive coordinators and and, uh, coaching staffs in general. I mean, it's like we've seen the worst version of OBJ and it's already been unbelievable. So this solidifies his value basically like as one of those top three to five receivers, wherever you have them, you know, it was a little bit of a question mark. No, no, no. Okay. Dan. It, it's number one. Now. Yeah. Okay. Like I, I've been a Hopkins guy forever. And, and it was because Odell Beckham Jr. Didn't have the quarterback. It didn't have the coaching staff. It didn't have the, the pieces around him. You know, like Ryan said, he's been playing with subpar quarterback play. And now Baker Mayfield inherits him. And we get to see the real Baker Mayfield and, you know, all the things that we got so excited about throughout his rookie season. Now he gets that shiny new toy, that big time weapon, that guy that can change an entire game and and bail out a quarterback even on a bad throw. Holy cow. So on top of Odell Beckham Jr. immediately returning to number one and, and probably number one overall in Dynasty, he should be really. I, you say what you want about Saquon, but but he returns to the platform, in my opinion. Uh, now, Baker Mayfield, we have to talk about becoming uh, an option as one of the top, if not the top. Uh, it's it's close, of course. Uh, there, there's, there's a big guy on top with Mahomes. Uh, quarterback options for dynasty owners. Matt, maybe the best news for you is Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I hadn't even thought about that. Yep. It's it's a great day. That was my that Ingram. was my first reaction after the excitement of seeing him play with Baker was now all the Evan Ingram shares. We saw what he did without without Odell in the lineup, all those targets and everything and I mean, you have Sterling Shepard still there, and they're they're probably going to end up drafting a receiver. But it seems like Evan Ingram might, uh, you know, ascend to that Zach Ertz level where he's one of the primary pass catchers in that offense now. So 
Definitely excited I, about that. I think that. the biggest thing, the biggest thing for me is what is wrong with Dave Gettleman <laughs> and that Giants front off. Why, why would you trade a guy? You know, you can say what you want about a dynasty owner trading away a talent like Beckham because it really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. But trading away a guy that good is ludicrous. Yeah, I mean, I've I've been uh, I've been a Knicks fan for a long time. I'm not a huge NBA fan, but Hakeem um, Knicks. Well, him, him, him too, <laughs> him too. But after a while, you just kind of it's just kind of depressing to be a fan of a team like that. And you know, sadly, that's kind of where we are with the Giants right now. I feel sorry for our buddy. Unfortunately, I feel sorry for our buddy Frank and um, and you know, there's several. Giants fans in in that Twitter community that we that we've come to know pretty well and it's yeah it's just kind of sad it's frustrating I don't know I would say maybe it's a good idea just to tear it all down trade OBJ trade everything you have and load up on picks but this is not it they got a they got the nineteenth overall pick and a third rounder I mean that's now they did get uh, they got Jabril Peppers. Uh, so that's that's certainly not a nothing. That's a, a nice get, but still, it it just doesn't feel like even close to enough. So, but what what's the thing though that like like what they get in return? They got a maybe it's a re- overreaction to losing Landon Collins, or I, I don't know what the mindset is, but that is an elite talent that you did not replace an elite with with an elite talent at another position or the same position or anything else like like really picking in the late teens the expectation is not to get a hall of famer at that point you're, you're taking quantity instead of quality I, I think there is a chance that you you know they get their their quarterback of the future in haskins or murray probably isn't going to oh. be there they get his quarter if this was a dynasty trade owners would be free I, I agree with you but i think there's something to be said as a team building i mean i let me, get, let me put this straight i think it's a terrible trade for to, to get rid of obj like that however if you get your quarterback of the future and at seven and then at 17 or what is it 19 or 17 19. whichever one it is one of those one of those wide receivers are going to be there for you so you rebuild your Entire offense, you get rid of the hundred million dollars that Odell's going to make. Uh, I I don't agree with it, but I guess I can understand where they're coming from. I do think it makes it, it's going to make life very difficult for Saquon now. Maybe he catches a hundred balls himself, right? Maybe he breaks McCaffrey's new reception record as a running back because there's not going to be anybody to take the top off the defense and, and kind of make them respect that passing game. So he's going to be the focal point of the of, de- of defenses, I think, for sure in 2019. The frustrating thing is that these these moves contradict each other. Right, they do. You, yeah. you stick with Eli Manning for one more year, and you trade your best receiver, one of the best receivers in the league. Right, you. Uh, it's just you, you draft a running back, which I mean, I've always built my dynasty teams that in the in the way that I don't care about running backs until I'm ready to contend, and I'm not going to try to pretend that that dynasty mirrors the NFL. But it, I know that's that's the trendy thing is that running backs don't matter. They really don't if you're not a contender. Yeah, why why make that move to get Saquon if if this is your move? I, it, it it really like none of these moves link together because there's no foresight. Well, right. <laughs> I'm trying to trying to be gentle, but I guess there's no re, real reason to be. You know, just to play devil's advocate in the whole thing, is there the chance that that it was so messy with OBJ in New York that they just needed to get out of that mess and get away from all the distractions and the potential for 
an Antonio Brown situation in a year or in a day or in a month, whatever it might be that, you know, there there's it, the more we've talked about it, the more I've started to think there's something behind the scenes that we don't know that is going to come out at some point. Well, even if it does, I don't think it matters because they, they got him so cheap. The Browns are ready to win now, which that's, that's kind of fun to say. Yeah. They've gone from essentially the laughing stock of the league to the trendiest team in the league and and, and probably the the one that's going to be the most popular from an, an NFL standpoint. I mean, you look at Baker Mayfield and whether you love him or hate him, you you know, you can't take your eyes off him, right? You want to watch him. Um and, and it's the exact same thing with with Odell Beckham and then you add I mean, their depth pieces all of a sudden are David Njoku and Antonio Callaway and, and Duke Johnson and, uh, and, oh, yeah, Kareem Hunt, right? I mean, <laughs> it's – it's. I, I wish that was my dynasty team, just all Browns. It's going to be so fun to watch. Baker with that chip on his shoulder and now with OBJ was certainly going to have a chip on his shoulder. It's going to be it's, – it's going to be something to watch. It's going to be really fun to see them at the top of that division instead of Pittsburgh and Baltimore. No doubt. How do, how do we translate to anything? <laughs> What's the point of talking about any of these other guys, right? No, but we have to. Anything left to say about OBJ or should we should we move on, guys? I still think I there's mean, a I lot to say, honestly. Okay. I, could, I could talk the rest of the night about him if you want. Who do you think loses value in this deal? I mean, obviously, Eli Manning, but David Njoku seems to be maybe a, a loser in my mind. Maybe. I think there's the potential. Of course, all of us thought that with Evan Ingram, that it opens things up a little bit. There's there's a little bit less coverage going his way, so there's a little bit of room in the middle of the field. Uh, Beckham stretches the field, and you know, I think if there's a loser, it's got to be Callaway, because he doesn't get down the field quite as much anymore. He's not looking at six or seven targets or the potential for that. Instead, he's looking at uh, two or three. It, it seems like Landry and OBJ are going to dominate that offense and those those targets. And then if there's a, a the next guy in line, it's got to be Njoku in the middle of the field. So so Landry had 149 targets last year. That, that's got to come down, right? We're like, are we optimistically projecting like 120 now with OBJ on board? So I think he definitely suffers a little bit, and and he is he can't even get to uh you know as much as I love him he can't get to a thousand yards with 161 targets and 112 catches. So 120 catches or sorry 120 targets and say 75 to 80 receptions like that that doesn't seem that attractive anymore. Yeah, just from a production standpoint, it it seems like he would he would have to drop uh, in in value. But again, he was he was already dropping in value. Yeah. Um, because of kind of a disappointing season last year. So I, I, I would still be... I, I think I have to disagree with you a little bit there, Ryan. Well, I, and maybe you used the wrong word. I think maybe the opportunity drops, but the production could step up just a little bit. Again, all that coverage is going to go to Beckham. There, Really, Landry was the number one target, the biggest guy, the 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 number one guy in that offense as far as pass catchers go. 
I think there's the potential for now that all translates over to OBJ and Landry becomes the forgotten man, the guy that can work underneath, uh, get open, and, and especially in PPR leagues, return to maybe the value that he was in Miami, catching passes left and right. Maybe not that red zone guy that we'll see with Beckham, but but there's at least it at least it's worth thinking about that Landry could could actually gain value. Well, my point was, or the point I was trying to make was that I think I thought he was undervalued after last year. I still think he's, I still think he's a buy where he is right now. I want to check his, his ADP where he ranks, but I think his, his value 24 wide receiver, 24th overall. Yeah. 24 wide receiver, 24. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's probably, that's probably the appropriate price for him now where two days ago he might've been a really nice buy. You know, guys, I have to I have to ask you a serious question here. Are we burying the lead because the Browns also re-signed Brashad Perriman this morning? Oh, <laughs> That's a poor a poor shot at. No, I, I I actually <laughs> like that move. I think I think if anything, that might hurt Antonio Callaway. Yeah. Uh, last last year was really Callaway's shot, and he mixed bag. I, I, I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to say he blew it, but it, it's he certainly didn't make make a great impression with some drops some some really boneheaded plays so Perriman coming back probably hurts Callaway and now just the the addition of Beckham and the the volume of and the attention that he'll bring hurts even more so yeah Callaway stopped down but I mean the story is going to be Baker and OBJ I think you can make an argument that they're that they need to be at the top of their positional rankings. For me, they'll probably end up as quarterback two and wide receiver two. No, no offense to Dan, who made the case for wide receiver one. I, I don't. I think it's it's close for sure. But uh, oh, I've been I've been the guy on the top of the bandwagon for Hopkins for so long, and this sways me so easily just being attached to that quarterback, which he hasn't had in, in an offense that's, you know, sure to be so dynamic. I, I, I think it's a slam dunk that Beckham instantly returns to wide receiver one. And I think there's an honest case to be made that he could be the first guy taken in a startup tomorrow. Wow. This is, this is great stuff. I, I love, um, like I said, I just I love this version of the NFL where we get trades like this and maybe yeah I, I you know I do too I I just apparently Jabril Peppers is way better than I thought is he equal to like the third pick in the NFL draft if he was in there would he be the third pick right now because that's what it feels like they should have added to this offer instead of Peppers it it it's ridiculous to me like the Giants got robbed so bad that I, I think cops are going to be knocking on the door any minute. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's, there's just not much to say about that end of it. We, we knew Gettleman was, was not great at his job. He ran, <laughs> he ran the Panthers into the ground, and now he's doing the same with the Giants. It's Oh, he's doing the same. Yeah, kind, oh. kind of sad, but. I, I know every. I, I know everybody, we play Dynasty, so we love the rookie talk, we love the combine, we love the rookie draft, but honestly, I think the most fun time of year in Dynasty is free agency, because we get, we get stuff like this. We get two Hall of Fame receivers traded in, in, this, in the same, same couple of days here. Uh, just, just too much fun. 
Where do you guys want to go from here? I mean, all these other free agents seem like we are, are pretty boring after after OBJ. Do you want to go straight to some listener questions? You want to jump around a little bit? We haven't talked about any any running backs. Maybe we can go there. I mean, they're not super exciting, but let's jump over to Carlos Hyde. Uh, one-year deal with KC. I guess my only question, I know, Ryan, you were a little bit of a supporter of Damian Williams entering 2019. Uh, does this affect your opinion of him at all with the Hyde signing, or is he just kind of like a death piece and Williams is still going to be the guy? Yeah, I mean it, it. It helps Williams' value in, in my eyes. If uh, if anything, I don't. I don't think it hurts at all. And and most of that is just a lack of faith in Hyde at this point. Um, I, I still think that it's very possible that they draft someone in the uh, you know day two or early day three. So I'm not I'm not moving Williams up or down very much as a result of this. And, and kind of with one eye towards the draft still. And I, I, I doubt you're moving Hyde up or down all that much either. It, you know, while he does move into useful, the, the useful range or or the range of, well, he's not buried just yet. I, I don't think anybody's immediately making Hyde the starter in Kansas City and thinking that he's going to, it really feels to me like the same thing's going to happen again to Carlos Hyde that, that did last year in Cleveland you know, dynasty owners get excited about the landing spot and the potential for him to play in an offense that's ascending or, or a good offense. And then suddenly they draft somebody and that the rug gets pulled out from under. It seems like that same thing's destined to happen here in Kansas city. It feels like to me, Hyde is the, the, the guy is going to be the siege. He could be the CJ Anderson uh, of, of 2019, right? Like Damian Williams produces really well all season. He gets hurt late in the season. And, you know, depending on who else they bring in in the draft or, or wherever, maybe Carlos Hyde is the last man standing. And because he plays in such a good offense, you know, that's when he becomes useful. But I don't, I don't think you're going to want to start him with any regularity and fantasy. Um, I know, uh, let's go to, let's go to New Orleans because it seems like Mark Ingram is out the door. Latavius Murray four-year contract with the Saints, fourteen four million. Not not a ton of money, but uh, I mean, I don't see why they would keep both Murray and Ingram at this point, Dan. Yeah, it seems like Ingram's going to be on his way out, and we'll see where he lands. He might uh, sign with somebody before, before we, the yeah, show's over. Right. <laughs> uh, uh, but Murray, actually, I, I feel like his value may have increased slightly landing in New Orleans. I think a lot of dynasty owners will think that. Um, the potential to to fill that Mark Ingram role and be that big back in the offense, the between the tackles guy, uh, change of pace from Kamara and his his electrifying uh, playmaking. Uh, I I think there's the potential for Murray to suddenly become flex worthy, the guy at the end of your roster right now that that gained enough value that you feel like. Maybe I put him in my lineup six or seven times next year, and and in case of an injury uh, to Camara, Murray's value spikes drastically. So while that doesn't seem like it changed a lot from what was happening in Minnesota with Delvin Cook being the main guy there, it seems like with that offense, uh, that coaching staff, that the Saints like to have that second guy in place. At least that's what we've seen in recent years, and that guy's going to get work whether the top guy is healthy or not. So I, I think Murray has some value and and the potential to be maybe even a running back too if, if everything works out perfectly from week to week. I totally agree, and, and I would maybe even go further than that, not just some value. I think 
he Murray is one of the big winners of these first couple days uh, because prior to this, and, and really the same thing kind of goes for Hyde, prior to this, he didn't really have much value left. He certainly didn't have any trade value left. You, you didn't find him on most Dynasty waiver wires, but uh, Murray and, and Carlos Hyde were essentially roster cloggers until now, and, and now they both have some hope. I'm not quite as confident with Hyde turning that into anything, but uh, but I could see Murray in that complimentary role to, uh, to Kamara there making some noise. Yeah, I mean, two years ago, both Kamara and Mark Ingram finishes running back ones. I don't think that's going to happen, but I could I could see Murray finishing as a lay, as a low running back two, no problem at all. So I think there's definitely some value to be had there. And on, on, on games when he's going to get those goal line touches, you know, three touchdown games doesn't seem like it would be too much uh, to ask for an offense like that. Um, let's see. Let's go to – I know you don't. I know you said we don't need to talk about Devin Funches, Ryan, but we do have a listener question about it, so I, I, we, we should at least bring it up here. Devin Funches goes to the Colts for a one-year deal, maximum of $13 million. Uh, I guess he's going to be the wide receiver, too, at, K, at KE Com- – Bossus D says, are you buying Funches now and what's his price? I'm guessing not. I'm guessing he has no price. No. Not. A third rounder? Yeah, I still wouldn't pay a second rounder for him. But yeah. he's. it's a similar story to the two running backs I just mentioned. He had no value and now he does because of situation. And that's that's basically the bottom line. Maybe he's in a little better shape than those two guys because he has a clear path to a starting job. Uh, but like I said, with the other uh, w- the other situation, I still think Indianapolis drafts somebody, uh, drafts a, a rookie receiver, and we'll see who that is and what you know what position they play on the field, uh, where they line up, and how much draft capital they spend. Uh, we, we know it doesn't take much to displace Devin Funches. Yeah, to that I say. Good for him. <laughs> Thirteen million. Wow, that's that's life changing stuff. And and he took the cash and ran. And it, man, he's got a good agent. It feels like to me. And yeah, they might they might draft a wide receiver, and it, it's probably even likely. Uh, maybe that removes a little bit of the shine that is Deion Kane. Uh, I, I still have some. Uh, some feelings that there there's some upside there potentially. Um, but either way, Indianapolis was going to add somebody there. There's room for another big time pass catcher in that offense with that quarterback. I don't think that's Devin Funches. So as a dynasty owner, I'm not shying away from the next guy that's added to Indianapolis. And I think I'm just repeating what Ryan said. So I'm going to throw out a bunch of names and you guys tell me who you want to talk about. How about that? Let's go. We got Jamison Crowder, kind of interesting to the Jets for $17 million. Adam Humphreys to Tennessee. I don't know how that necessarily affects uh, your boy Taewon Taylor, um, but they've got a new option there in Tennessee. Mike Davis going to Chicago for $6 million for two years. Jordan Howard potentially impacted. Jesse James to the Lions as they continue to search for an Eric Ebron replacement. The Bengals actually keep C.J. Uzoma, which is kind of interesting, I think. You know, it seems like they're probably going to move on from Eifert. They did move on from Croft, who also joined Buffalo. Uh, Frank Gore also joined Buffalo. That, that's pretty fun if we were playing fantasy in, like, what, 2004 when Frank Gore and 
that's probably too early for LeSean McCoy. I take that back. But Frank Gore and LeSean McCoy, pretty valuable dynasty assets at one time now on the same team together. Uh, and then, of course, Danny Amendola also to the Lions. Dan, anybody there jump out to you? <laughs> no, you seem very excited no, not, about all of not these guys. Necessarily, I tried to, you know, I, I was looking at the list of signings and trying to find some some excitement there, and, and there's really not that much. I th- I think the thing that you mentioned that's intriguing to dynasty owners is the potential for Jordan Howard to move on, and you know maybe he finds a landing spot where they're going to use him more like he was used as a rookie, and and you know be that between the tackles guy and and goal line guy that that got 18 to 20 carries as well and and was a big time asset to dynasty owners so so maybe the the signing of mike davis in chicago makes jordan howard even more uh, tradable or 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 a guy that can be released potentially i doubt they do anything like that but you know if he finds a different home maybe there's something there that dynasty owners can get excited about yeah, Davis is is the guy I would peg from that group as well. And again, similar storyline, a guy with no value, and now he has at least a chance at at having some value. They they're clearly ready to move on from from Jordan Howard, and it, it's only a a matter of do they land Le'Veon Bell? They they've been one of the rumored teams to be interested as well. <clears throat> so. It, definitely just have to see how that one plays out. But Davis, Davis was pretty impressive last year in, uh, in Seattle, even with Penny and, uh, and Chris Carson there. Yeah. And if, if he gets the opportunities that Jordan Howard got only from last year, that that's a substantial enough load that he becomes roster worthy and, you know, worthy of being monitored week in and week out. Um, a Tariq Cohen injury away from being the guy there in Chicago if they don't add anybody else. So so I agree, Davis is a guy that is a, is a winner for sure. And uh, I want to see Nathan, our buddy Nathan Powell make good on his promise that he made about Mike Davis on the Tradecast last season if it happens in Chicago. <laughs> um, all right, let's, let's go to some listener questions, you guys, uh, since, we, since we have some. Dan Brennan says, how do you guys like to fill out the bottom of your dynasty rosters, backup running backs, upside tight ends? What's kind of your, your flavor there for the, for the back end of your roster, Dan? Well, the, the back end of my roster is always upside. The, the last few spots is, is a guy that's an injury away or, or a opportunity away from suddenly breaking out. And, and usually that's youth. Usually that's first and second year guys. Sometimes it's the guy like Geronimo Allison that everybody seems to be ignoring, but maybe he gets his shot. And, and last year it seemed like he did. And it was going to work out for some of the dynasty owners that was collecting him and, and getting him for free. But but then he got hurt. I, I kind of feel like he falls into that that same pot again um, and guys like him. So it's not always the first and second year guy or the guy that's um, been on the fingertips or on, on the tip of our tongue for, for guys that might break out. A lot of times it's the guys that you can get for free off the waiver wire or as an add-on in trades. 
Um, whether it falls at running back, quarterback, tight end, wide receiver, it really doesn't matter to me. It's just a guy that has some upside that other dynasty owners aren't necessarily thinking about that I can get for cheap. Ryan, I'm going to throw this one to you from at Fab Falco. How do you guys like to handle Debbie? Are you investing heavily in highly rated guys and then wait them out uh, or use Debbie picks and players to trade for current NFL guys? Uh, how do you like to handle your Debbie players? It's kind of tough to, an- to answer, I think, because so many – so many Debbie leagues have, I think, a unique rule sets, whether it's limiting the player pool or limiting uh, actually which players are eligible. So I'll just kind of answer it based on uh, the league, the Debbie leagues that I play in. I, I get as many, as many as I can, basically, usually not targeting uh, the top guys. Honestly, I just don't trust that hit rate. Uh, of course, it, it looks nice when you chase – Saquon Barkley and and that works out. I know, I know Dan did that a few years ago, uh, and and I think got him pretty cheap at the time. Um, so it it can obviously work out, but uh, in general, I'm trying to amass a a, a big group of Devi players and uh, hope you know half of them hit or a quarter of them hit. My rule uh, on any roster spot is that I don't like to have a guy on my roster that I've never seen play or seen play a lot. So when it comes to Debbie, that's easy for me. I, I, I usually try to chase the guys that I've, I've watched play and been impressed with. And typically that doesn't necessarily uh, include those incoming freshmen and things like that. So uh, well, when you're in an auction and you got $1 left, it's nice to buy that five-star recruit. I like to see the guys before I have them on my roster. Um, so if that adds anything to what Ryan said, and most of what he said is 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 good because he's the Debbie guy that I go to. Uh, but but I you know I follow the rule of I like to watch a guy before I add him to my team, and if I'm impressed, then he's a guy I want. In my limited Debbie experience, I, I feel like it's like what Ryan said. Uh, I, would, I would rather take a more of a shotgun approach and get a bunch of cheaper guys that, that have a chance of making, working out rather than spend a, a bunch of big assets on somebody that, that may, not, may not work out, Just even, even, if, uh, you know, even if they're highly recruited and all that. So uh, one more question. We'll get out of here. Uh, let's go to a commissioner question just for fun. Matt Phillips at mphillips30458 says, what are your thoughts on paying future league dues for future traded draft picks? Ryan. I think you have to do it. You have to do it if you want to uh, protect your league and, and the future of those teams. I've, I've just seen too many teams honestly run into the ground and then left without uh, without draft picks, without those future assets and, uh, I mean, we've we've all been there where we're considering taking over a team, and no matter what type of players are on the on the team, we always seem to gravitate towards those picks, and we want to know uh, how many first rounders they have. And when you hear that the answer is zero, it's not a good feeling. Any thoughts there, Dan? No, it, it's the same thing. I'm not taking over a team without a first round pick. It, it, it's weird because. Even if somebody says, well, you have the 11th pick, you feel like, well, at least I got a shot. At least I have something. If the guy says, no, you don't have a pick till the second pick in the second round, it doesn't feel so good. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I agree. You, you need to get some kind of 
alleviation for the new owner uh, because it's sure to happen at some point. You you gotta cover your bases, it, and, especially if the team is terrible and you don't have a first round pick. Then <laughs> it's like it's a real tough. Yeah, I, I, you know, obviously you have to have a black and white rule that says if you trade it, you pay it, and it's necessary in any league. And something I'd look for, honestly, if I join a league, I want a commissioner that's that's putting something like that in place. I, I've recently added it to all of my leagues. I, I, we we've gone to adding to uh, so you can trade draft picks two years out and that makes me uncomfortable i was i was a little bit more comfortable with it when it was just the following year one year out but with two years out it seems like a team could could really ruin the get get ruined and then just bail so uh definitely a proponent of that one i typically only require it for the first round pick but if you take a set trade it's trade a 2020 second or third i don't think too many people are gonna be mad about that in terms of taking over a team but that first round pick certainly is key uh we didn't get to all of our questions guys we apologize uh, OBJ happened and we had to talk about it so uh, I hope you guys will understand and we'll get to some more next week on the DLF Dynasty podcast for Ryan at RyanMC23 for Dan at DMyler22 and myself Matt Price FF on Twitter we will catch you guys next week for the rest of the free agent talk and hopefully some rookies and more of your listener questions see you next week stop yes we gotta stop odell just odell Odell just got traded no browns shut up he did to where the cleveland browns oh (laughs) that's gonna be an outtake that is an outtake